0: Welcome to the Politics Guy Supporters Exclusive After Show and with me today is uh Trey Orndorff, who I at the end of the regular show I call also known as like J Jay Jay or Trey Carson right <laughs> Yeah exactly anyway <laughs> thanks for thanks for taking time after all the moving stuff to uh to help to help out with this uh, I said originally Jay was scheduled but uh, he is he is on a much much deserved vacation so it's, it's good to have you with me Trey we don't get a chance to talk much anymore it's usually you and you and Ken so it's uh, nice yeah. to get a chance to do this so uh the first thing I thought we could talk a little bit about is you know the Trump administration was earlier this week they uh set forth what's called a guidance statement which isn't a policy it's just kind of a hey, maybe you should think about this sort of thing, essentially, to uh, to, to universities, basically saying that uh, they should not, or discouraging, sorry, the use of race in college admissions and uh, public school enrollment, basically. And this overturns A guidance, well, a number of guidance statements from the Obama administration, uh, where, and basically, there are a number of these statements, but all of them were similar, where they would say, We recognize that there's a compelling interest that institutions have in getting the various benefits from a diverse student body. And so schools should consider this, but also keep in mind what the Supreme Court has said about what you can and can't do to uh, essentially meet this compelling interest. Well, The Trump administration basically said, um, that's not okay. The actual official argument was a little weird because they said the Obama administration went beyond what the Supreme Court has said, but they didn't really do that. But clearly they're sending a message here, right, Trey?
1: Yeah. Well, and to be clear, I think the Obama guidelines were, were interesting because the specifics of them were basically, look, you know, your default is to have race, race neutral. But if that those kinds of possibilities are unworkable, then you ought to use uh, race as a potential guidance uh, and and included included what you were talking about, which was if you're not meeting kind of diversity goals for your school. Right. So you want to have a certain kind of population in your school. And if you can't make that happen, then, yeah, you should be considering uh, race as a possibility in your implication. But I, I think you're right here. The Trump change from those, kind of rescinding those effectively, it's not going to have any major impacts on schools because the Supreme Court has already allowed for race-conscious admissions in Fisher versus uh, University of Texas at Austin. Um, I think more than anything, in political science, uh, there's a guy who's really famous in Congress. He's David Mayhew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he argues that one of the things that uh, congresspersons do is, is that they're tr- they try to take position statements, right? So they're going to take these positions, uh, not so much because they want to end up doing something with it, but they need to have a position on which to run. And I think this really applies to what Trump is doing here. The Trump administration is making this change, not to make a policy change, but it's try- it's, it's a position take. It's saying, look, we support non- uh, uh, non-racial guidance when it comes to admissions. And, and so I think it's It's interesting because it gives a point of view from the Trump administration as a position take, but I don't think it has any pragmatic uh, implications on the ways that universities are going to start operating, given that they can't change the jurisprudence of the Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, some people will say this just kind of, again, points to what what they'll call the the racism of the Trump administration. I I think, and, you know, I've, I've made this point a number of different times is, I don't know, I don't feel qualified to judge whether President Trump or or anyone in the administration is race. I kind of reluctantly came to the conclusion that President Trump, it feels like to me, is. But in a sense, I think the primary calculation here is not a race calculation, but it's a political calculation. Uh, President Trump and the Republican Party have, for better or for worse, lost almost the entire African-American vote They've lost certainly huge hunks of the Hispanic vote now more than ever, I would say, certainly <laughs> just
1: like what we you're talking about on the show.
0: Yeah. And again, it's the politics of rallying your base. And this sends a message to the base saying, Hey, we don't, we don't like any of this, you know, giving people who don't look like you an unfair advantage because fair again is the big word and so forth. Um, but I think if you take a more nuanced look at this you know the the position that you sort of articulated is is the position i hold is that you know race should never be the factor and in fact the court has said that race cannot be the factor but diversity is an important good and uh the fact that you know you can consider this as one of many factors is perfectly okay in most settings and i think for most well i would say i would go so far as to say for those Americans who have been exposed to diverse environments, however, it was. I mean, my my first big exposure to a diverse environment was was in the military, and and then you know uh, uh, about a decade ago, I moved to a, a, a majority minority uh, part of a city, and so those exposures to, to diverse environments have had an an incredible impact on me and in a very positive and broadening way. But I think that many people who have not, for whatever reason, had that experience cannot appreciate how important and how good and how useful it is. And so they just think, well, different is scary and bad, but that's just simply not the experience. I would say that most people who've been in these who've been in these environments uh, end up having, I don't know that that's kind of my thought on it.
1: I think, me. I think there's a lot of truth there. And I think, you know, during the show, you were making the point, and it's a true one, that in economic situations, in open trade situations that you have, the benefit is diffuse and the negatives are oftentimes concentrated among small individuals. Uh And I think the same kind of thing applies here, right? Because when you take a look at the cases the Supreme Court had been faced, you know, I don't think the average person says, "Oh my goodness, a more diverse environment is bad." But you have cases where somebody gets, they end up getting turned down, and it comes down to those, you know, those percentage points for race, and that that seems really bad to you when you're the person who gets turned down. That that's what happened in Fisher, for example. Um, and so i'm not don't get me wrong for our listeners. I'm not suggesting you know as uh, as an academic, i want to ha- I want to work and be in a diverse school and an environment. But when you're taking a look at the position of the people, uh, I think that's what they're looking at more. Yeah. what they're saying is, well, look, these individuals who are more qualified on the metric of you know knowledge s a t score, whatever. Those people are losing out, and I think they feel damaged because they're, they don't get that then chance to be yeah. in that diverse yeah. environment. No. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that's where the tension comes from. Now, I, I don't think that the, the Trump administration is trying to make that nuanced argument, but I think when you take a look at people, when you take a look at the cases themselves, I think that's what's actually occurring there. I don't think you generally have people saying, in these situations, oh, look, look, I hate diversity. I think what they're saying is, well, wait a second. Hey, I had the better SAT score. I had the better medical, I had the better GPA and I'm the person who doesn't get it. So that you see all these other people get this marginal benefit of an increase to diversity.
0: No. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an excellent point. And you know, another point I think it's worth raising and a lot of people might not be aware of you and I of course have spent our, our, our careers, our lives have a lot more experience with higher education, but uh, Higher education admissions has never been about a strict meritocracy. You know, there are still, I mean, for every athlete who gets in on a scholarship, someone, there's a space for someone else who has higher scores. Yep. For every, there are still plenty of schools to do legacy admissions, meaning that if your parents or someone, that's another person who doesn't get in. So this idea that the schools look at everyone's applications and let's say they have 100 spots just for sake of argument and they just take the top 100 test scores and grades that's just that's flawed. yeah it's that's so fatally flawed there've always been a lot of factors that colleges look for and i think if more people had a better understanding of how the admissions process worked and why it worked that way a lot of these kind of more simplistic arguments wouldn't have as much you know sway certainly i guess
1: well and i think part of that blame you know again we're, we're academics, we're in this institute, this institutional environment, I think part of that blame is to be placed on the institutions themselves, who oftentimes muddy the waters of why and who they're considering in any particular class because they don't want to have to justify sure. Sure. <laughs> what they're doing. And so I, I think it leaves room for people to then have questions. and. Just you know, we were talking about this at the end of the show with kind of Ken's positions on uh, kind of Trump's motivations. When there's room to have doubt about uh, uh, your, you know, what you're doing, there will be doubt about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, I don't think that higher education in general is trying to be a completely mystifying process for admissions, but it's certainly not straightforward. And so for the average student, for the average first generation student, because I've dealt with many of those, you know, they do not understand in the slightest why these kinds of processes are happening the way they are. and, And we don't make it any easier for them to understand, which allows for these kinds of confusions.
0: Right. No, that's a good point. Absolutely. You know, the, the one other thing I was hoping we'd talk about at least a little bit is this this uh, census citizenship question. Uh, just a little mm-hmm. background for folks. The, there used to be a citizenship question on the census, but it hasn't been on uh, the once every 10-year census, uh, the, the big one. Since 1950, right? Since 1950, right? Now, the administration yeah. says, well, we need to put it on to basically uh, to, to better enforce parts of the, the Voting Rights Act. Uh, critics say, no, was it,
1: it was the Justice Department specifically that was yeah. making that inclusion, correct? That's what exactly,
0: I'm- yeah, from the Justice Department. Now, uh, though what critics are saying is that, no, uh, this is just basically being done so because the administration knows that it will result in a pretty significant undercount, and an undercount of exactly the sort of people who tend not to vote for... Republican administrations. Essentially, it's going to vote. It's going to result in less federal funds, less representation potentially for strong Democratic areas, and that this is basically uh, essentially a, a a political move. And so, a judge this week said uh, this because once this was announced, a bunch of states said, uh, "Well, you know." Side the bring suit, and uh, the judge this week Starting said with
1: California. I believe. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, and yeah. I, I forget the number of states, but there were a bunch of them actually. And so he, the judge, found what he called strong evidence that the Trump administration acted in bad faith. And he not only said that the case would go forward, he also required that the defendants, the Commerce Department, which runs the census, uh, to provide a whole bunch of documents to kind of detail what went into their decision-making there, essentially. So, I mean, my take on this is that my fundamental assumption is that this was, in fact, a political move. And I am very uncomfortable with doing anything with the census, given how incredibly important it is for so many reasons, that will potentially result in a less accurate count. To me, the thing about the census is getting the most accurate count possible and even the census bureau's chief scientist said if you do this the count is going to be less accurate and it's going to cost more so right away to me just says well let's find some other way to do this if you really need to do it and so i have a big problem with this i think this lawsuit should go forward and i do not want to see a citizenship question on the next census not because i don't think it's an, not an important thing no because i think it's going to lead to an undercount and i think that's bad for uh, a lot of policy reasons what do you think no,
1: it's fascinating. I, I think the story that has happened here, this is me speculating, right? So just, I don't have like a, a source. I wish I did. But my guess is you get somebody to the Justice Department. They were creating a question that they thought was going to help them because uh, they have some requirements for the protection of minority vo- voters, including language voters. And then I think somewhere along the line, the Trump administration got a hold of this higher up and went, oh, <gasps> Yes. Uh (laughs) Um, And I think it became the citizenship question that we see today. Uh, And, you know, when you take a look at the Constitution and the role of uh, the census, the really the only constitutional role of the census is to make sure that we have accurate representation among the many districts among the states. So anything that's taking away or hindering that, I I mean, if you're going to be a a constitutionalist as I attempt to be, then you're, you're detracting from the primary responsibility, right? The, the, the goal clearly in the constitution is we got to count people. we got to count people because we got to know how we're going to distribute house members. And today, because house members are in a zero sum game, it's even more important than ever before to have accurate counts, (laughs) you know, very accurate counts. Yeah. Um, So as a result, I think anything you have that detracts from the central constitutional goal, which is representation, is a fatal mistake.
0: And of course, there's that secondary goal of those census numbers being used as the basis for a lot of federal programs and who gets what amount of money based on how many people are in an area. And if you're undercounting a lot of people, that means that the money's not going, the benefits aren't flowing to uh, equitably to the place they're supposed to be flowing. So
1: that's true. I mean, I I don't want you to discount that, but I just, again, you're you're doing it because of that cost. I mean, that's the goal. That's what you have to have done. yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad we were able to get both of those things in. And uh, listeners, we want to just thank you again for supporting the show uh, financially. It's great. And we're we're happy we can do this. This has been, uh, we've been doing it for a while. I think this is our eighth or ninth one, and I've really been enjoying them. It's kind of nice to just be able to be a little more casual and so forth. And, you know, it's a little something to thank people. So thank you so much for, for being a supporter and we hope you enjoyed the show.